We are I. Good afternoon, everybody. Another episode of We Are I. We're sitting down with Dave Wheel, and he's a local to North Vancouver entrepreneur. The reason, one of the things that makes Dave incredibly interesting is not only is his vast past in athletics, but he's come up with an incredibly great bar that CBD infused. And the second that I tried this bar, I knew that everybody that I know and everybody that I want to know about this bar needs to hear about it. So that's why he's on the podcast today. So welcome, Dave. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. Um, you know, so I always try to start with people, you know, more back at the beginning. Like, let's talk about your past, you know, when you were a child. How did you get into sports, athletics? Were you always into it, or is it something that happened later on in life? Uh, athletics have always been a part of my life, for sure. Um, from the beginning, my I grew up in a ski town, and both my parents were actually ski instructors when I was a kid, so I didn't really have a choice on getting into skiing. <laughs> was that but Whistler, or was it not local? No, to you? I grew up in Ontario, actually, okay. so uh, Blue Mountain area, right on okay. Georgian Bay there. So, um, my, uh, you know, I always had the skiing as part of it, but then obviously off season, you know, you, you once you learn, you love to play outside, you do all sorts of stuff. So, um, I was I was more of a an individual sports guy than a team sports guy as a kid. I did. You know, I skateboarded and BMXed and all sorts of stuff outside, pretty much. Like anything, I, I, once you become a bit of an adrenaline junkie, you seek that in all sorts of ways as well. So um, that was the beginning. And then uh, I moved out west to Whistler when I was 18. As soon as I finished high school, I got out of there and uh, and then just, you know, found out more and more about active lifestyle and how good it feels to be moving your body all the time and, you know, just wanted to... Uh, I was actually accepted to go to university for mathematics Um at University of Waterloo. I was originally going to stay in Whistler for six months, and then I ended up staying for 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's usually yeah. what it's like when people go to BC or California or totally. somewhere beautiful. It's just you, you so come in. nice out here. Yeah, temporary, and then it turns long-term, right? Yeah, exactly. So what what first is true? You go to BC, like why specifically Whistler? Just big into skiing, and you're like, skiing, I got to get out there? Yeah, you know, uh, when I was a kid, it was just the very beginning of the free ski movement. Uh, you know, I remember watching, like, the first kind of the early Warren Miller videos and then the first like the beginning of the freestyle movement and the original the first twin tips and all that stuff like that was when I was in it as a little kid so you know seeing the ski videos and Musa was just the place to be it was the mecca of, of the free ski movement so uh, I just you know I shocked a lot of people when I did it but as soon as I was able to I just got out of there and made the move to Whistler to kind of take a crack at becoming a professional skier I was like you know I see other people in the movies I just wanted to do that myself so just so what happened after that like you got to Whistler you got your feet dug in got to Whistler, poles got in the snow. settled um you know made my way I had some sponsors and I uh, got into the industry a fair bit I was like working at a bunch of the summer camps and did some coaching as well and um you know kind of did some competing had had a few decent results in the park and pipe scene but you know once in Ontario, that's all there is. It's either park or racing. Um, and my parent, we didn't have enough money to, for racing when I was a kid, so I did park. And um, but then, as I, the longer I spent in Whistler, the more I got like away from park, and the more I got into Big Mountain and just you know skiing big lines and jumping off cliffs and skiing pow and all that stuff. And, and that's the beauty thing about you know Whistler and just BC in general. A lot of our mountains have such a variety to be able to choose from. You don't get totally. stuck in just one thing. And, you know, as all we know as athletes that, you know, you need to have all those different areas to be able to fine tune the one that you really want to travel down, right? So Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They, they all help you be more well-rounded and everything. So it was, uh, 
yeah, I did that. And I coached uh, free skiing as well. I coached for the Worcester Freeride Club for a long time. And, you know, it was, it was pretty, as jobs go, it was pretty epic. We, we didn't have to wear the ski school uniforms. We had like the highest level athletes on the mountain and we just skipped lines and jumped off cliffs. So I skied the same stuff I'd be skiing on my own, but with kids and, you know, just hot lapping, la- literally lapping people on peak chair sometimes because when the lineups Crazy. get so big, cause you get to skip the lines. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. the beauty part about it. You know, the same thing, you know, when I was uh, snowshoeing on the weekend, we got to the summit and some guy was like, hey, like, do you get paid for this? And I'm like, yeah. I do, you know, so I'm sure you probably ran into a lot of that too when you were up there. It's just, it's amazing some of the things that you can get paid to do, totally. you know, it's just in how you connect with it and the things that you like and want out of your life, right? Totally. So, so I did that um, and, you know, that was the path for quite a few years. I, as I said, I got some sponsors, but I never got to the point that, and not that many people do get to the point in the ski world, especially that it's you know, full time, like all they do, um, unless, you know, there's a lot of people that kind of. It's still like they work something over the summer and then go on EI or just like save up so they can only ski in the winter. But um, anyways, I was on that page. So I was still bartending and still doing other things on the side most of the time. And uh, But then in 2012, I believe it was, I actually broke my neck um, in a mountain biking accident in the off season. And that just totally changed my, my path. Um, you know, obviously something like that makes you rethink everything, makes you look at your life, makes you just... Know, pull everything apart and you've got a lot of time to, you're not doing anything else except for sitting flying on your back and staring at the ceiling to just really contemplate what you're doing and where you're going to go and especially you know it I did make a more or less full recovery and I'm able to still ski and do all that stuff which I'm super grateful for um, but when you're in the neck brace laid out like you have no idea what's if you, like you know the doctors say you may not walk properly let alone ski so it's you know yeah. you, you don't you just don't know uh, well what was that whole experience like you know kind of like take us through you know you you went up you got your bike you're going down mid-season it was it at the end of the day like it no, must have just been well it wasn't uh i wasn't actually downhill i was downhilling but not in the bike park like for those of you listening that aren't familiar whistler has the whole bike park that's lift access mountain biking um but the the original trails that were cut for mountain biking were actually on black home and so i was riding one of those with a friend so we pedaled all the way up and then we're hitting this trail that's it's there and people still ride it but it's not maintained the way the trails on whistler are it's kind of just there and you know take what you get essentially um and there was a is that would you find a little bit more like hardcore riders that are old school riders, or is it just abandoned altogether and you just you're crazy if you go yeah. over there? Yeah, a little bit of both, perhaps. People both. that are like bored maybe or wanna just get away from the crowds. Like it's yeah. the trails aren't in that bad shape, but you know you might come across some features that are kind of like. It seems like those would be one of the places where it's like it's, the like the homegrown secret, you know, yeah. you know, where it's like, tell me where all the good spots are. And you know, that some guys like, okay, don't go to black comb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, so we, uh, there was a, you know, it was a, a sick trail. We were on Hay Bud and, uh, the, but we came across this one spot about halfway down or so that was, uh, there's a gap over a little Creek. Um, and you know, it was kind of, it wasn't that big of a gap jump, but it was a bit of a sketchy setup, like steep in run to like, you know, quickly flat takeoff over this creek, and uh, you know we sussed it out. And my buddy hit it before. He said it was good to go, so we you know we hiked up and I went for it, and very sketchily cleared it, but made it. And then uh, he came down and just 
did it flawlessly. So, I, <laughs> you know, I was like, like screw that. I, yep, gotta, back you know, up. I can do better than that, obviously. He, I, if he can do that, I can do it. So No testosterone um, there, though, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> or ego or any of that stuff. Um, so I hiked my bike back up and, you know, drop in again. And I actually did very, pretty much the same thing as I did the first time. I came up a little tiny bit short. My back tire kind of clipped the landing and it bucked me forward over the handlebars. And I just kind of lawn darted into the ground head first and uh i you know i kind of like head do- like dove head first rolled out of it and it was like on the ground and a little shooken up um i i've been in you know skiing for that long i've you know i'd hurt myself in countless ways before and there's always that kind of instinct that like just get up and get out of the way especially skiing because like if you're in the park and you're on a landing of a jump and someone comes over and smashes you like it's going to be even worse so there's that initial instinct to just like get out of the way and then evaluate and you know, I was shook up and a little dazed, but I didn't feel that bad. I had my arm was a little numb, but I, I figured like that's happened before when you just rattle something and it comes back. I figured it was fine. Um, so I sat down for a little bit and then eventually I was, you know, I kind of just got up and used my bike as a bit of a crutch and like walked slash walked beside my bike and like got down the rest of the trail. Um, actually pedaled home, uh, got home. I like you know, everything started to tense up a little bit. I had to actually like crawl up the stairs into my house. Uh, and then when I got into my room, I lay down on my bed and my whole body just completely seized up and I couldn't move. And, uh, I, at that point, luckily I had roommates at the time. So I called out for help and they came and kind of lifted me up and carried me to the car, took me to the hospital. And, um, and isn't it crazy, you know, like sometimes we can have, like, I've had some pretty bad accidents in sports where, I, I'm shocked that I'm still alive today. Oh, you know, yeah. that I've had some very minor ones, you know, kind of not, you know, a lot minor than what you went through, but those are always the ones I've had my worst injuries on. You know, and something like this, you know, where you go over the handlebars, doesn't seem that bad, get all the way home. I'm sure that there's a base level of comfort and all that, thinking that whatever was going on probably wasn't that bad. Yeah. And then like, you lay down in bed and then, bam, it hits you. Totally. Like, I'd hurt myself. Like, before that, I torn multiple ligaments in both ankles both knees both shoulders broken my foot and now the neck um and i didn't know that at the time but as soon as i got to i once i seized up everything i thought something was probably going on yeah. obviously um but then once i got to the hospital i threw on the neck brace and did some x-rays and carted me down to vancouver and um yeah i, I knew something was up at that point obviously did they um, give you any any information there like how bad like it might be just based on the symptoms you're experiencing or uh like we knew pretty quickly once i did the x-rays and stuff like that they could see that there was fractures in there so um they're like i like to say as breaking your neck goes it was pretty mellow because <laughs> <laughs> um, they were all just fractures uh, and compression fractures as well so basically i hit the top of my head so hard that it actually crushed oh. a couple vertebrae and fractured um but because of that did it, it feel like, like a, you hit it that hard at the time? No, no, it wasn't really? like, and you know, it wasn't like I've, I've crashed harder than that for sure. And like, you know, I've, I've felt more pain than that in other ways and things like that. And, you know, uh, and, and, and been had things happen that are like way more, like when you blow your knee, like, you know, you actually Absolutely. hear the pop of your ligament snapping yep. and like, you're like, oh my god like and tears and that's instantly yeah. like oh my god everything is over yeah <laughs> um but this didn't feel that bad i just thought i'd you know maybe get gotten a bit of a concussion or whatever and needed to chill out but then um yeah after getting the x-rays and everything and seeing it was like okay no this is this is real and that was uh, only so about six and a half years ago yeah now. about that um and uh so 
got so you, out of the hospital. Uh, I was only in the hospital for a few days, and then I got sent home. And, um, you know, because everything was stable, I didn't have to have surgery, which was really lucky. And I was just basically in a neck brace and had to, you know, not do anything for quite a while. And, uh, and then... As soon as I got home, uh, you know, which leads me into where I am today, uh, the day after I got out of the hospital, actually, I had a good friend who I didn't even know was in the cannabis industry, um, came and he gave me like a quarter pound of shake, uh, like low quality weed. It's like he's, you know, he's like, it's nothing great, but like it'll, you could cook with it, you could bake with it, you can put it into an oil or something like that and it'll, I hope it helps, you know. And uh, so I got one of those big Costco size um, coconut oils and had some help kind of someone taught me how to infuse it and made like a big thing of cannabis oil that I then made cookies with and just put on my toast in the morning and you know just kind of ended up using that as my main medication I was able to like I I got off of they prescribed me like hydromorphone and all this crazy stuff from the hospital but I didn't even fill the prescriptions um just because it those things like ruin your system and your mind and all sorts of stuff so and it's just for pain like it wasn't heat none of those actually help the recovery at all they just make it easier to deal with the pain um which cannabis does as well but it also is like much better for your mind and helped me a lot not just with the pain but also like just with mindset and with you know not being in this like can i swear on this or? oh absolutely yeah. man <laughs> not go being ahead. in this like yeah, go fuck ahead. my life kind of yeah. situation right it you know there's a lot of especially being like a semi-professional athlete that was my whole everything to then breaking your neck and yeah. being like i don't know what the fuck is coming up next like, i'm all. actually surprised and, out of crashing your bike getting carted down to the hospital being in the hospital that it took that long to be like what the fuck <laughs> like it just well, you know like because you went through all these stages before that like that was definitely going on in my head yeah. along those stages. <laughs> yeah. it was, you know, like that was starting to to build into like a, a lot of the anxiety and depression and just like, holy fuck, like what am I going to do with my life, you know? Um, but then the cannabis helped flip the switch on that and be like, okay, well, this is where I am. Now what? Like, how do I move forward? Where am I going? What am I doing? Like, what can I, what can, you know, I couldn't, like when you're in a, a neck brace and lying in your bed, you can't even, like even things like watching TV, you can't really do unless, like if I had a TV mapped out on the ceiling, I could, but like I'm ski bum living at Whistler. Like, <laughs> well, it's one of those things, like case. once you bump your, or you have a cut on your thumb, you don't realize how much you hit it until, you know, you have that cut there, right? So I'm sure all those simple things like watching TV or, you know, looking Reading to the right or to the left. Yeah, or... like, you know, there was very little you could do, but I, one thing I could do is listen. So I got into audiobooks and podcasts and really started just at least like I couldn't exercise my body, but I could exercise my mind and just be learning things while I was out. So, you know, learned a lot about nutrition and I'd had so many injuries before that I, I know like a lot of people and you see a lot of people in Whistler, especially like they get, they get messed up and they just start drinking and they just feel terrible and they go in this downward spiral. So I knew at least because of all my past injuries, like you need to just take as good care of your body as possible, like do everything you can possibly do to help it heal. And uh, so that was what I kind of put my mind to is just, and you know, through that started getting into other things like meditation and spirituality and like learning about the capacity that the mind has to heal the body. And it's, you know, through gifts and people like you, you have all sorts of people come out of the woodworks and like want to help you when things, something like that happens to you. Um, and uh, one of the books that impacted me a lot there was Deepak Chopra's book, Quantum Healing, where he, yep. he just really digs into that, the relationship between the mind and the body and how how deeply intertwined they are and, you know, how you relate to it. And it's like, you know, one of the, the big examples from that was like, we often get angry at our bodies when we hurt ourselves. If you blow your knee, you're like, stupid knee, like, how, God, like, how did you, why did you do this to me? And it's like, but if you can relate to 
if you think about what happens if you have a friend that hurts themselves, would you be like, you idiot, like, I can't believe it. <laughs> like, no, you would, you're like patting them on the back and you're like trying to reassure them and trying to make them feel better. You're like, man, like, I'm really sorry. Like, we, we're here for you. We love you. Like, you're going to get through this. Don't worry about it. Like, trying to kind of relate to yourself in that way and like just sending yourself lots of love, sending whatever your injury is, like, you know, relating to it that way and just instead of hating on it, it it's surprising how quickly we go to that place of, of hating on ourselves because of things like that. So, And I always you know. think like the a really easy transfer and the, the breakdown of that book is simply the placebo effect. You know, yeah. just like, you know, not, Placebo's you know, manifesting. It's just, it's, and they know now like all the research that's done behind the placebo effect. It's like, it's so potent and it's such a great way to be able to conquer life in pretty much any facet you can think of. 100%. You know, but that's just, you know, whether you're thinking about loving your body or just changing the way that you look at things and, you know, changing your mindset around it entirely. Like, you know, you, you probably a good point. You know, if you're, if your buddy's sitting there with a blown out knee, you're like, Hey, let me grab that water for you. Once he starts to get up, you know, but then when you're in that position and you go to get away, you're like, no, 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 I'm fine. Yeah. Don't you know, help me. Don't yeah, help yeah. me. <laughs> I got this bad. Just give me some more testosterone. Yeah. And I got this. You know what I mean? But it, it's funny how we always resort to that. But again, it's like, when are we ever just going to sit back and learn? But it sounds like that you did, though. Like, you bridged a really key gap at the very beginning. Do you think it has something to do with your buddy dropping off some of that shake? Yeah, for sure. Like, it, it definitely played a big part in that. As well, like, you know, part of it was my experience in having, you know, I've, like, not exaggerating, averaged about a month, a year on the couch through my due to injury like through my adult life in Whistler well that's the only <laughs> so reason why like, you were semi-pro though right because you yeah, know if you're not pushing the bar totally. you got to go for it right exactly um you know and then it ended up being part of the reason why it didn't work out as well because you take big gaps like that off and then everyone just goes so far ahead of you you know but uh regardless I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't gone through all that so I'm you know everything in life happens for a reason though right brother yeah exactly absolutely so, you know, it, it definitely, like, I'd smoked weed before that, obviously, living in Whistler and being a skier, but it was always more just, like, a thing that we did recreationally, or, like, you know, sometimes while you're skiing or whatever, it's, like, here and there. Uh, Isn't that, that what was, the chair was for? Exactly. I thought that's why I had it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, that was the first time I really started to actually see it as medicine and actually see it as something that can, you know, impact a lot of people's lives. And, um, and then that was obviously a big turning point in my life as well, starting to look at what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I was almost 30 at the time. And, you know, I'm, you're not going to, like, you're going to have to figure out something to do with your life at that point. If, like, um, you know, the, the dream of becoming just, you know, sponsored athlete and filming and all that stuff is dissolving very quickly at that point. So I, you know, had to, especially because I didn't even know if I was going to be able to ski again. So, yeah. Um, and how many more neck braces can you wear before you have to call it quits anyway, <laughs> yeah, right? Totally. Um, so I did, I kept skiing for another, you know, another season and just still trying to figure out what was next for me. Um, but about a year. So like, that same ski season, you were back on the hill because we this all happened yeah, during mountain biking. Yeah, so that happened yeah. in this like in the fall. Um, I actually healed in ten weeks. Um, oh wow! One thing to throw in there, I was back on my skis like around Christmas, um, which was wild. Uh, you know, again, just because putting so much effort into it and eating super healthy and all the supplements and like uh, all the meditation. I got into Reiki at that point as well. I had a friend give like treatments of that. You know, I just did everything I possibly could and healed very quickly through doing that. So uh, I skied that season. And then, but very slowly, like very on the ground and like, you know, making turns and like back to the bunny hill and let's work our way up. <laughs> for sure. Um, and then the, the beginning of the next season, um, I actually knocked myself out super hard trying to go back to where I was before. And, um, and that was actually the biggest catalyst where I was like, okay, I'm 
because bones heal, ligaments mostly heal for for yeah. the most part, but concussions like they're cumulative. Yeah, TBI is a totally different ball different game. Different right? ball game. Um, and you know, every time you get one, they get worse, and you can have irreparable damage done from those. Like I've, I, especially living in Whistler, I've had friends that have, you know, they're not the same as they were before. They've had like, they've had to stop everything, and like they can't even function because of hitting their, like because of that so bad. So you know, we're um, still in that that demographic. Like I looked at, you know, all the years that I played football and all the sports that I played in. You know, we we all grew up in Aegis. You push through the stars or nothing, the lightheaded, you know, just like give your head a few shakes and, you know, get back on Walk the field. Off. And yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean? So it's, uh, yeah, it's nice that everything's starting to change. We're starting to learn a lot about, but it's, mm-hmm. it's really good. Like, what, when you got knocked out so hard, like when you kind of came to, did you feel any immediate apprehension? Like, okay, this is just, this has got to stop. Like it just, it brought you back to when you broke your neck. Yeah. Cause it, it rattled the stuff in my neck and like, I actually, like I came to the next day. The next like, day, like that was my first memory of it happened in the evening skiing. I was uh, I was part of this. It's called the Fire Night Show, where they, every week they build a big jump and we jump through a big ring of fire and like do flips and yeah. shit and they have fireworks and all that. Uh, and it happened at the show in the evening, and I got taken to the end, like in an ambulance to the hospital, and you know went through all that. No memory of that whatsoever. Um, my first memory is actually waking up the next morning and just being like, "Where am I? And how the fuck did I get here?" And what's going on and like grabbing my phone and like trying to make sense of yeah like i was like i was supposed to go to this party last night like did that happen like where yeah. how am i here like what's going on was i dr- that drunk last night yeah, yeah like... <laughs> <laughs> you know and uh putting the slowly put the pieces together and then like and then talking to my roommates at the time and you know they're like yeah man like here's what happened like <laughs> yeah. here's the of, video i was us conscious talking last like, night yeah literally like you know apparently i was like a like a a, a toddler like a, a very young child they're like you know like the person that took me to the hospital that I was like in the show with was like explaining to my roommates they're like okay like this is where he's at and it's like okay like you can't have any screens for quite a while like so no phone I'm like yeah okay and then pick up my phone and start looking they're like Dave you, you can't you can't Force it happen, though, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, oh yeah no I get you and then just like just you know like information is coming in and I'm nodding but like nothing's it's just going straight out the other side and like, like yeah, I'm sure they can see that look in your in your eyes too right totally um, so then, you know, that again, like rattled my neck again, super hard. And, you know, I had to spend about a month in a dark room without any like screens or any stimulation, no skiing, obviously like yeah. no fucking going outside. So it's, it was pretty rough. And for um, an athlete too, like those are like just the worst, you know, anytime that yeah. you're just on the couch or in the bed period, but then yeah. never mind, you know, dark rooms. You can't even be able to play video games. <laughs> yeah. You know, nothing, you know, none of the fun stuff. Right. So, um, that was like really the big turning point. Um, where I was like, okay, like this life thing is done here and being like doing that whole realm. So, uh, very shortly after that, I moved down to Vancouver and just kind of started fresh. Um, you know, I actually came down to, uh, the very first man talks event, which I don't know if you've heard of They're uh, um, they do like, they're like Ted talks, but all about men's issues and stuff like that. And it was a friend of mine, friend of mine's boyfriend that started the whole thing. And, uh, so I came down for the first event and just. I was in this space in my life where I was starting to think about entrepreneurship, starting to think about like getting into yoga and meditation, and spirituality and all this stuff, but still living this life that was predominantly people just getting drunk and looking forward to their next paycheck and their next pow day, and, you know, which nothing wrong with that at all. And it's kind of, it's a very temporary mindset, you know, it's hard to like, Easy to get pulled life. into though, right? Very easy to get pulled into, especially when you're like serving and bartending and like, 
you know, it's like, it's that world, you're making great money, and it's like, there's tons, everyone's having a ton of fun, and it's, it's a very, like, you know, but there's no progression. There's no, yeah. like, it's just the same shit over and over and over and over. You know, and people will be like, oh, I just wish and I had your life. You know, you, you know you're know, you out on the hill all day. Maybe for, you know, like, yeah. a week or a season or something like that, but not sustainably. Not if you want to have a family and, like, have anything long-term in your life and grow Absolutely. something. Like, it's it's a great amount of money for, like, a 20 to 25-year-old, but once you're 30 and 40, it's, like, it's not really that. You know, it's like yeah. you want to move up. Unless um, you want to be that guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and some people do, some people make it, make it a thing, but you know, dealing with people over and over and over with the same shit just gets repetitive after a while. But anyway, so, um, uh, yeah, I made the move down here cause I came down for this event and just met all these other people that were on the same wavelength. They were, you know, a bunch of people that the speakers were all entrepreneurs that are up to cool shit in the world. And, um, you know, like coaches and people with these like, like kind of green focused businesses and just and then you meet a whole bunch of amazing people in the crowd too and I'm like yeah man this is this is for me I had made the move down to Vancouver and just started networking connecting with people and just met so many like-minded like health focused lifestyle focused entrepreneurial like you know go-getters and just kind of started to make my way here and find you know I knew I wanted to work for myself because I liked you know, I like the idea of having freedom around your schedule, the idea of like building something that can then generate revenues that you don't have to necessarily, you're not always trading your hours for dollars kind of thing. And uh, I tried my hand at a few different things. I tried to tried a couple of network marketing businesses. I tried like, I tried to launch a retreat center at one point. Um, I actually went to school for life coaching and NLP and uh, personal training as well actually. And I was like trying to make a go of that for a little while. And like a lot of these things just kept falling short because um, what I learned later was um, I've actually struggled with anxiety my whole life. It's always something that's been there in the background. It's always something that's held me like I've, you know, not in a debilitating way by any stretch. I still have had a fun life and done cool stuff and like put my body on the line numerous times. But whenever it comes to like risking like personal failure or looking bad or you know that kind of thing it's always really stopped me in my track so as an entrepreneur inevitably you're gonna have to pick up the phone and make sales calls you're gonna have to share with the world this thing that you've created and risk being laughed at and risk (laughs) you know like being rejected and that had held me back so many times so after one of you know the the retreat center was the last project I was working on and when that failed miserably um I actually just went and got a job at a dispensary um, because this was at the beginning of that kind of time here in Vancouver where they were, you know, I was just like, I just don't want to think. I want to turn off my social media and just get a job that is mindless and I know something about because I've been using cannabis for a while. So I went and got a job at a dispensary and and that was, A, I saw how like, this was still at the time, it was very wild west at that point, like dudes walking in, like big, huge, like, you know, roid dudes <laughs> walking in with duffel bags full yeah. of weed walking out with duffel bags full of cash yeah like straight up drug dealing still at that point um <laughs> um and i'm like sitting there like i'm the guy behind the till the guy rolling joints to sell in the store and just i saw a lot about the industry i saw a lot of ways that it didn't work and i saw holes in the industry as well i saw how much edibles were moving uh and i also saw that all of the edibles were just sugary garbage and there weren't any healthy edibles at all and this was also when i learned about cbd for the first time so um i'd heard about high cbd strains and i tried some i knew i liked them but i didn't know why i started to learn more about the science behind cbd and i also tried it on its own for the first time 
and saw that like this piece of the cannabis plant doesn't get you high it just helps you be calmer and be more confident and like not give as much of a fuck about what other people may or may not be thinking about you (laughs) (laughs) i like the 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 may or may not right (laughs) totally like it's all just you know anxiety is like in my opinion at least it's all just your own fears that you're projecting out onto other people like you think you're not good enough so you think that the other people think that you're not good enough or that your idea is shit it's like it's all just internal stuff that you're projecting out so it I saw that, I saw that hole and I just, you know, my, I didn't want to do, I didn't start working there with entrepreneurial intentions, but that part of your mind that's when it's there, it never really, that itch never really goes away. Well, and that's how you know that is authentically there too, right? Because most people would just go there and they'd sit there and five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, they might have like, oh, it should do this, it should do that, but like there's no proactiveness to be able to Mm -hmm. make those changes, right? And so obviously, you know, you can fall back on a base level country that's just who you are. Yeah. So. Totally. Um, so I just started. Uh, I'd been, you know, like through the the broken neck and through a lot of that kind of that habit of like starting to read audiobooks and learn as much as I could didn't go away. So I, I'd taken in a lot of stuff around business and around, you know, startups and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, a book that really impacted me in that path was The Lean Startup, where it's like, because I always had this idea of like, I have to get it perfect before I share with anyone or before I like put it out to the world which is very common in like in inventor type personalities where you know they won't and you see this all the time if you watch like Dragon's Den and Shark Tank and shows like that there's people that come on and they've sunk like they've mortgaged and remortgaged their house and put like hundreds of thousands of dollars into this thing without even trying to sell it at all like without getting any feedback or seeing if it's actually a viable business selling it so and uh so I I took a lot of that into the beginning and just did it very MVP style. It was like, at the beginning, it was like, okay, like I can do some graphic design. Like what's the simplest label I can make on my computer and where's the smallest batch I can get printed somewhere. And okay, so Ziploc bags and little like hand-rolled balls, sticker, go. Like, does anyone actually want to buy this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, do people like this? Is it is it a thing that people will actually consume? So the, the first products I did were you know, similar to what I've got now, um, but like way more complicated. I put like all the superfoods you could think of and all the like, you know, greens, this and flax and all the things and um, in the kind of like a date nut protein ball type thing um, with THC and CBD because um, I like using edibles to go on for hikes and going for adventures outside, but low dose. So they were like a five milligram, five for five kind of thing. Um, and they, they did all right. Like, Maybe if you could just explain like what a five for oh, five is so, for most, because some um, people might not know exactly what that totally. means. So um, dosing on edit. Well, if you're looking at dried flour, you're buying just by the weight of the flour. So you're buying a gram or, a, you know, a, an ounce or whatever that, but on the edible side, once usually they, all the measurements are in the actual, the count of the amount of milligrams of active ingredients there. So THC and CBD being two of the main cannabinoids, which are the pieces of the cannabis plant that have their, um, their molecules that plug into receptors in your brain and in your body and give you the effect of feeling high or feeling whatever, like, and not just cannabis does that, like all drugs act on your brain and your body in certain ways like that. Um, so THC is the piece that gets you high for those of you that don't know. Uh, and CBD is, uh, a piece that it has a lot of the health benefits and they actually work very well together. It's, it's anti-anxiety, it's anti-psychotic, it's, you know, and it, it also is a, a reuptake inhibitor, I believe is the technical term. Yeah. So it, it slows the absorption of THC into your body as well. So, um, so it so makes it time release, right? 
Kind of, yeah. Like it makes it so instead of getting a big spike and then a crash, you you know you it has like a a more sustained, like a slower onset and a longer, kind of more gradual. Um, and then because of the anti-anxiety and every, like, I'm sure a lot of people, if you've started like experimenting at all with cannabis, you've had the experience of getting too high, <laughs> quote unquote, where, you know, you start to get a little paranoid, you start to get a little, you know, nervous of people like, you, you just kind of get freaked out and you're like, oh God, I can't handle this, I need to go lie down <laughs> yeah. or whatever. See, and that's why I, the, when I was young, when I used to smoke weed, and the reason why I stopped is because I was that guy. Because of that, yeah. I smoke a little weed and then all I want to do is sit in the closet. Totally. I'm like, why do people even like this? <laughs> you know, like, this isn't fun. Because I don't even want to be around anybody, never mind, like, go out in public and walk around. So, yeah, totally. it was. I was always that guy for sure. 100%. Yeah, me too. I've had that experience a few times. And it's great if you're, like, I always enjoyed it for if I'm on my own or, like, watching a movie. I don't have to talk to people. But as soon as you're trying to in- interact socially, I always get, like, so stuck in my head and freaked out that I just can't function anymore and I have to leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first product I had... Um, and for reference, an average dose of THC and like, especially, and according to the new health Canada stuff, the, the maximum dose per unit is 10 milligrams. So mine was even lower than that. It was a five milligrams of THC, five milligrams of CBD. Um, so a one-to-one ratio and, uh, you know, a very mellow dose for just like, so you wouldn't really get overly high from them. It would just be more of like a, a nice kind of mellow buzz for hiking and just, it, it would help for me, it would help kind of open my mind and be more creative and just you know, appreciate nature more and appreciate like the fresh air and the trees and all that stuff. So, um, so I did that and it, it was going, you know, I was, people were enjoying them, but it was a little hit and miss. Some people would get like super high. Some people wouldn't get high at all. Sometimes they would, you know, you would have an, an onset in like 20 minutes. Sometimes it would be an hour later and you're not feeling anything. There's a lot of, it, it was very variable. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then as well, I wanted something that I could eat while I was out on the longer hikes, like, you know, two, three, four hours that I could keep eating to fuel my body, but it wasn't going to keep getting me high. <laughs> so, um, or higher. Um, so I created what is now the grind bar, um, which I basically wanted to kind of make it simpler with less ingredients and same kind of framework of, you know, that I was into the bulletproof coffee thing at this point as well. So like doing the high fat, low sugar, more keto style. Uh, so I wanted to make something that's kind of on that, on that yeah, page, spectrum, yeah. um, because most of the bars are there just like sugar and protein powder and garbage. Um, and just, you know, made to make money as opposed to made to actually fuel you. So, uh, I created the grind bar, which was, you know, based on bulletproof coffee as well as, uh, do you ever have like the dark chocolate covered espresso beans? Yep. Love those, Absolutely. Right? Um, those powered like, me through some pretty intense moments in the backcountry. <laughs> totally. uh, and they're addictive, which, yeah. you know, for me, I was like, bingo. <laughs> I'm going to make a bar out of that. The uh, worst is that, like, 10 o'clock at night when you're thinking about them and you know you have some in, like, your pack and you're like, don't do it. Don't do it. This is going to be a mistake. <laughs> totally. Um, so, uh, you know, messed around with some recipes and created. Uh, you know, what is now the grind bar. I've tweaked it a little bit since then, but I was pretty close to what it is now right off the bat um, after, like, not that many kind of recipe variations. I say, uh, like, kind of walk through that because you've talked nothing about baking or being a chef or yeah, so, you've been bartender, skier, mountain biker, you know, right. working um, in a dispensary, but there's... One piece that came in actually before I got into bartending um, was the first, my first entry into the, the restaurant industry in general, which, like, backtrack a little more, Restaurants, when you live in a ski town, are great because you usually work at night and then you can ski every day. (laughs) So my first foray into that was actually in the kitchen um, in uh, in a restaurant in Whistler. And so I I did that whole thing. But then, like, you know, you spend enough time 
there are benefits. Like you don't have to be all that presentable when you yeah. <laughs> just throw it on your kitchen whites and stuff. Uh, easy to just come off straight off the hill and go to work. But but a you pretty big a difference working in a kitchen versus Bartending. designing a whole new bar. Totally. Well, so that's the the base of it. Like I learned about cooking. I learned about and then as well. Like I did CrossFit for a long time, living in Whistler, and got into yoga got into like nutrition so I, I had a solid base of just understanding about nutrition and like what my body actually needs um and then just a lot of cooking for myself so how I usually cook for myself if I want to make something new is I'll read like you know five or six recipes kind of figure out what like I'm, I'm my brain works well with pattern recognition yeah. um so I would see what what are the key things like what does all of these recipes do that's in common that are like you have to have that to make this recipe work like you want to make an alfredo you need cream you need parm yep. other than that you can kind of wing it <laughs> and here's your your math background right yeah yeah <laughs> totally absolutely um, and even on the math side like creative problem solving was always the piece that i was like the best at it within mathematics so um so i did the same thing with bars i was like i want to create something like a bliss ball or something like a, a healthy bar or ball type thing that's like but nuts and dates and all that so I just kind of googled a whole bunch of recipes and saw what people were doing and and just started experimenting you know like what do I like to eat what do I want it to taste like um you know I was always, I've always been a big fan of Tim Ferriss's stuff as well and his kind of thought on anything he creates is like I don't try to create something for a market I create stuff for me I create products that I want to have for myself because then at least I'm guaranteed to have a market of one yeah. <laughs> he's like if I like it chances are other people are gonna like it. actually really like a lot of the stuff that comes out of that man's mouth for oh, yeah. sure Definitely. absolutely uh just the whole experimentation mindset in general it's, he's fucking rad yeah um so Anyways, that was kind of the base of it. I just started tinkering and, um, you know, I wanted to be really high fat. I wanted to be like fat forward and like not very much sugar, but enough that it still tastes good and it's palatable. So, you know, and natural, not refined sugar, like dates and like honey and things like that and maple syrup. So, um, yeah, just experimented until I found, you know, a blend that was palatable, but also held together. Cause like a lot of, originally I was playing with like coconut oil and a lot of these, that type of pardon me, things fat of that nature, but like those things, if you make a high fat thing, like if you just had a blob of coconut oil, you're going to try and like put that in your pocket and have it stay in one, you know, it's like, you know, it's just going to melt and go everywhere. So it took a lot of trial and error to get a, a recipe that actually held together, actually was a bar that could sit in one piece in the summer without, um, you know, just going everywhere. But, but how many weeks and months did it, did it take to go through the whole process? Um, Probably, probably only a couple months, really, for the first round of experimentation with, with the grind bar. But at that point, I'd already created another one before that. So, like, I had a bit of a sense yeah. of, like, ratios and how much of the different things kind of work, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, did that. And then after having both of those for a little while, it wasn't actually called the grind bar at the beginning. It was, like, you know, CBD power mocha brownie or something like that <laughs> string um, just about yeah. getting this out really good either. it's like chocolate espresso cbd marijuana whatever yeah. just throw it in there <laughs> um totally uh but after a little bit of going down that path i kind of you know i didn't want to have i wanted to focus on one thing and do one thing really well first and then expand product line um so i i let go of the thc one and also at that point i saw that kind of just like a gut feeling I, I had that CBD was going to be a much bigger thing than 
THC in general, just because there's there's going to be a lot of people out there that don't want to get high, but that want to get some of the healing benefits from cannabis. That want to, you know, that have pain in their body and have anxiety and have stress. You know, like who who doesn't have one of those that's over Absolutely. thirty, right? Uh, so that was kind of I made the decision to focus on that and just kept on that path. So it was again like hand rolled balls at that point. But then I got some nice molds and then I got some better packaging and then I got like actual like I started cutting them into full bar shapes and took on a little bit of investment so that I could get proper packaging like actual kind of flow wrap style packaging made up and did um, you feel like apprehensive at all because this was all kind of before when people could openly start testing with products right like this was this was kind of when it was yeah this was a couple years ago uh and it was still it was very much a gray market at that point like it wasn't we weren't even really discussing legalization at that point yet. Um, it was one of those things that was like, I think it was like talked about or like they'd promised it, but it wasn't like, there was nowhere near, there was no like writing on the wall as to when it was going to happen or if it was actually going to happen. Um, but living in Vancouver, you know, there's already tons of dispensaries here that are operating and like it's like we are like at the core of the cannabis culture in Canada, you know, which, um, so it, there's a I think much, we're, we're probably much more like relaxed. world runners in that uh, that category. Eh? Totally, totally. So we're we're definitely at the front of the pack on that in Canada. Like a lot of places in the states are further ahead of us, obviously, like Colorado and yeah. uh, like a lot of California and stuff. But um, for Canada, we were kind of the core. So it's a much more relaxed atmosphere here, especially on the CBD side, because you know if you're like cannabis has a like it's a hard argument to make that there's anything that it like basically if you were to get like and I had to sit down with this. At, at, like when I was going down this path, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I have to sit down with like this. I could get arrested. I could go to jail. That is something I may have to, I probably won't, especially if I'm smart about it. But like, am I okay with that as a possibility? And, and the answer I came up with was yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, and, like, and it just, it's so interesting too, when, when you obviously have firsthand experience of the health benefits behind it, we live in a province where Either everybody smokes weed and is going to tell you or will just lie about, but they are anyway. Yeah. You know, and like you said, it's just, it's such a big part of what's made BC. Like, oh, realistically. Like, yeah, people can lie about that all they want, it but like, it's built export. BC, right? It's our so, biggest cash crop. Yeah. And it's not, like, before it was legal, it was our biggest export above, like, lumber and above, like, anything else. And you look at people, you know, who want to you know, make some bars to be able to help people hiking. You know, we still have to have the hair on the back of our neck stick up, right? You no, know, yeah. versus, you know, all the completely other side of that culture and stuff, right? So, totally. No, it was, it was an interesting path to go down. And, you know, it's a, there's a lot of, it's definitely not something that everyone would do, but like, I think, you know, with the personal experience I had and having gone through like the neck thing and, and as well, just the background in skiing and the background in, you know, like the ability to take risks and be comfortable taking risks is a skill and it is something that you train and you get better at. You know, like the more risks you take and the more failures you have, the, the less afraid you are to take risks. So like I've had a lot of failures, I've had a lot of crashes, I've had a lot of, you know, but I've also learned a lot. I've also improved and I've not crashed a bunch as well. And I've accomplished a lot of cool shit as, as a result. You know, I've gone on a lot of rad adventures because I've been willing to. And, you know, I wouldn't trade that for it's funny you actually bring that up. It wasn't until a few months ago that I connected with that same thought process that a lot of the successes that and failures and injuries that I had as an athlete, I really, I felt, I didn't read anything to really connect with it until you just said that, that I feel like it's always raised my threshold for being comfortable with taking risks. 
you know, like when I would, you know, get out on the field, like people would tell me, be like, I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm blah, blah, blah. You know, like I'm standing back there about to get the ball and about to be able to run with this thing. And that's for years and years. So, you know, I look at him like that has obviously done something in the way that I approach my everyday life. And I, a few months ago, I connected with that. And then you just said that same thing. So obviously there, there's something going on there, oh, right? Oh, for sure. It's, you know, your, your success in life is pretty correlated to your willingness to take risks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, like, unless you're, if your definition of success is a safe job with the government or something, then maybe not. But, like, if, you know, if you're a more modern kind of, like, millennial entrepreneur kind of mindset, then you're trying to, like, create more freedom for your life and, you know, not try to do things the way everybody else does, it's, you're going to have to. It's like, you're, you're never going to, you're never going to succeed at something you don't actually try. This is true. This is true. <laughs> so, it's a, um, so, back to the kind of timeline of all that, I, I started to do it a little more professionally, started to get some retail going on. And, um, you know, at that point it was CBD in particular, like there's obviously the dispensaries, but there was also a lot of like just yoga studios and gyms and places like that, that, you know, like one thing we haven't really talked too much about is like the ingredient deck that we've got is super clean. Like I'm not a big fan of fillers and random shit in there. Like I want it to be an actual nutrition bar that's going to fuel me and make me perform better. So like when people like yourself see it and they look at the ingredients on the back, they're like, oh my God, I want to eat this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want these things in my body. <laughs> and so, you know, like for me, like when I, when I first seen it, you know, we can go through the ingredients cause I, I, I think it's absolutely key that people know like, you know, what you got in those bars. But when I seen it, it intrigued me. But then when I tasted it, I knew. Yeah. You know, I just, I can't stand when people try to sell you some bullshit that's healthy and you bite into it and you're like, oh yeah, okay, here we go. Or like you peel it open and it's covered in chocolate and you're just like, okay, you know, I know you're trying to sell that it's dark chocolate, you know, but why do we need to go there? You know, like why does it always need to be like all this extra? It doesn't need to be that. And that's one thing that I loved about your bars. Thank you. I know it's so disappointing. Like being in the industry, I always try like every new bar I see on the shelves (laughs) and some of them it's like, you know so-and-so good fat and it's like healthy nutritious natural ingredients i'm like okay cool and like you know i pick it up and take it and it's like you know like this tastes like styrofoam (laughs) and like how did they think that they could put natural ingredients on the cover of this you know it's like yeah so anyway um (laughs) yeah that that's the rabbit hole that i think that frustrates most people and you know especially in the market where your bars you know fall into play where people are seeking that out now it's just you know, the, the industry has evolved so much, but there's some people who just want to really keep it suppressed and then just make it like a candy bar or just another chocolate yeah, bar. Yeah, and a lot, of, shelf, right? a lot of, well, and this was a big thing that I saw once I started to move a little further. I started to work in commercial kitchens and talk to like co-packers and things like that is, you know, most of the food business sadly is more about business than it is about food. And on one hand, it makes sense because if you're not making money, it's not a business, it's just a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I feel like I've always tried to strive for the, the balance of that like how can it still be about food and also make money you know and and trying to walk that line between and so you know on that we had instead of dispensaries because most of the dispensaries are more interested in like super high thc like they don't care what's in it they just want to get the thc out there and that's what a lot of people are looking for in that market so we actually had more like gyms and you know float houses and things like that where they were interested in selling our products and because it was such a weird gray area and cbd is non-psychotropic it doesn't like it's not going to be going very high it's not hurting anyone at all so they're like whatever we'll sell it like worst case it's gonna we're gonna be told to stop selling it <laughs> yeah were, were any of these places apprehensive of selling it knowing that they technically couldn't be selling these bars was there bridging um, those gaps so some, some, well, a lot of places just weren't open to selling them, you know, like, and there was kind of, 
So there was like the sweet spot of pieces that were like, there's a lot of like mom and pop shops, you know, like if they were, or we had a couple, like um, we were in one kind of chain of like health food store for, that had like 10 locations all over Vancouver. Um, but again, they were just kind of Vancouver. Like as soon as you get above that realm and you started getting into corporate and like, you know, it's, it's just like not worth it for them to take a risk on things like that. Um, but, uh, but then, you know, everything kind of, as we so that was kind of the path for a bit we took on some investment because i had people that really liked it and they were like i want to invest in your company and i'm like okay sure well i don't know what that looks like but i'll take your money yeah, <laughs> yeah and i'll turn that into more cool stuff like yeah. you know so that we had a people a couple people come on and kind of you know that were really stoked in what i was doing i used that to you know invest into the brand and and you know hire some designers to really like make it create professional packaging, do it more pro, because most of the cannabis industry wasn't doing this at all at that point. It was all like Ziploc bags and stickers and stuff yeah. like that. And, and did uh, you know that, you know, once people started wanting to put some dollars behind you, like, did you realize then that you had a product that the market needs this? Totally. It was more, like, it, it definitely was more reassuring at that point. Like, I still wasn't paying myself. Like, I was still working a job this whole time to pay for me and then like just creating this because I want, like it was a passion project essentially, yeah. but um, knowing that eventually it would make some money, but like it was still very early at that point. And, uh, at that point I also started creating other flavors. I'd been, cause the only people that I found that didn't like the original coffee and chocolate flavor was people that didn't like coffee pretty much. So, um, which fair enough, if yeah. you don't like coffee, you're not going to like that. <laughs> Absolutely. <bar. laughs> Absolutely. There's nothing I can do to change that, that you're going to make you like it. So uh, I created the, the matcha moringa, the green, green rush. Um, and cause I wanted still to be like an energy bar, but not so using matcha green tea instead of coffee. And then, you know, some other superfoods. So I found, I played with like Chlorella and spirulina, but they have a really funky taste. And moringa still does a little bit, but not quite as bad. And it's got so many amazing like other things going on in there that it made for a good fit. And uh, so I created that. And then uh, everybody loves peanut butter, so uh, <laughs> I I wanted to do you know like pretty. Did much... you think that that was a risk though, or just with like peanut allergies, or you know like we yeah, all there's a huge. Realistically, of us, no. But... There there are some companies in the space that just go full no allergen and like they're not not willing to go that route but there's also like every single company pretty much like every other company more at yeah least as long has, as reese's pieces uh, and reese's cups are still on the shelves man yeah. i think we're all good and right like most like cliff bar and all of the kind of like energy bar world um or like sport nutrition kind of bar has a peanut flavor has like a peanut chocolate that's like you know that's one of their staples and it's like even though it's not glamorous or not fancy it's always the best seller so, yeah. so I was like I right, whatever I'll just do that because everybody wants it but then I still wanted to do my own kind of spin on it and have a more slightly healthy version of the whole thing so um you know peanuts are in there but their have parts are still the first ingredient and I also added in beetroot powder um so peanut butter and beet um it, I think are still one of the yeah see those are those are my it. favorite ones by totally. far absolutely and that is I've heard that many times um they're uh you know beetroot's just uh, it does have a lot of cool health benefits, like it's vasodilator, it improves sex drive, it's like it's got a lot of cool stuff going on, but it also tastes good and it adds a cool fl a color to it as well, so it's like visually appealing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I, I did those, and then it's at the same time we had this group that we were kind of in talks with about partnering that was really interested in having like an even lower sugar bar, like a full keto kind of friendly one. Um, so I created that at the same time again and 
made it a little more complicated on myself um, by trying to do it without any sugar alcohols or stevia, um, which those two things, as I'm sure you're well aware, like the backbone of the keto industry right yeah, now, absolutely. Um, except for just straight meat, um, which there are some cool meat bars out there right now, but that's a whole other topic. But uh, Rabbit so holes did, in this industry, right? Yeah. So I did that uh, and put a lot of that, invested a lot of my time and the resources I'd taken on to, to create all those, build out all the SKUs you know, get professional packaging done. And kind of at that point, um, I had this whole like deck of different SKUs and I had more of like a package. So that's when I originally, it was just called the grind bar. And then I kind of up leveled it and created a grounded CBD as like an overarching brand to carry all of them in. And, uh, and then, uh, we ended up taking on a little bit more investment at that point and I actually went on Dragon's Den with the show or with the company this year as well. So like that, you know, they came through Vancouver, we're one of the major cities. I just, you know, someone threw it out there. I was like, you should do this. I'm like, okay, that's a good idea. Like, sure. Went and put a pitch together, went and did it and um, ended up getting selected to go and pitch in front of the Dragons after the auditions. And um, that allowed, like kind of leveraged that to take on some more investment and partnered with the CBD company I was working with and um, went and did that. We didn't get a spoiler alert we didn't get a deal on the show but um they actually did a whole episode on cannabis companies this year and none of them got deals they they really like didn't actually know a whole lot of anything about there was one person on the panel that knew a little bit and she was she started to invest in the space a little bit um I think it's just too early right you know it's probably yeah, the biggest more or less like you know most of them are just like not educated they're not self like it's not at the point yet where information about cannabis and cbd is common knowledge it's like if you're in the industry you know but or if you've like had some crazy health issue that you've been like steered into it to to help with then you'd know but other than that like it's it's still not common by yeah and even now that it's legalized like i still find you know and even for myself when i'm talking about it unless if you're with people in the industry people outside of that you always still, still kind of feel like you're talking like, about something wrong yeah. You know, because you've been indoctrinated for all these years thinking that this is terrible. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't touch it. You shouldn't look at it. And then now all of a sudden it's just like anywhere and everywhere, whatever you want. And, but you still have that apprehension to be able to – and I, I see it in people all the time. Yeah. You know, but where they'll still, start talking a little bit lower. There's still a lot of stigma. And that's that's the biggest thing that I see. And that's that's what I try to do with my podcast is destigmatize cannabis in general and just show, like, how many – normal everyday people like you and me that are high performers and that are accomplishing a lot of cool shit in the world but also smoke weed from time to time <laughs> yeah and like that's why there's a lot of people of... coming on the the podcast because that's that's the thing is that i think to be able to get the health benefits from it people need to not have anxiety about taking something that's going to help with their anxiety it's just a paradox <laughs> you know what i mean totally man so, like my own my own mom like is still like super nervous to even try CBD and like I've been working in this industry for three years now <laughs> yeah. like you know and maybe part of it's because I push it so hard <laughs> but it's like you know there's still again because her her generation was like brainwashed so heavily by and she even smoked weed in the 60s and stuff but like you know it wasn't 60s, 70s, so maybe it's not that old but <laughs> yeah you know, it, was like, the- it was a thing but then it's just like super brainwashed after like the anti the whole war on drugs bullshit and um we're we're having to overcome a lot of that now as an industry and just re-educate people about what it actually is what it's actually capable of what what like there's so many people that are just afraid of getting high it's like what do you know what getting high even feels like or like it's kind of nice but yeah but even that <laughs> though, like, like that alone as soon as you say get high people are like you're doing something wrong 
But you you should like, you do it why? Now, right? But like, that's the that's thing. the whole thing. Like that's because of the war, quote unquote, war on drugs that they launched in the '60s, which was just against anything that altered your consciousness. But like, like, like we have a very like ground in like a biological urge to alter consciousness. Like both humans and most other animals. Like if you like. Of course, I've gone deeper and down the rabbit hole than some people on this, but like, there's a lot of animals that seek some type of something that like gets them high or like takes them out of their normal state of consciousness. Anybody just needs to Google like DMT animals and just leave it at that, and you'll just go through thousands of videos. You know, like it's just that's just natural, you know, organic, um, you know, interactions in real life, you know, between different species and plants. Yeah. You know, they're not thinking about whether or not that's right or wrong. It's just something they feel fundamentally drawn to and to be able to do, totally. you know, more of. And, you know, that's why, like, for me, like, I, I try to talk about it a lot to be able to break it down just in my social community. You know, and even the other day when I challenged people to be able to think, I'm like, did you know that Denver now decriminalized magic mushrooms? Like, it, they were the first city to be able to step outside that box. When you know, Pardon? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like a like a week ago. I seen um, some stuff on the on the United Scoot around because obviously I, I know they so were, like, many talking people about putting it on the ballot, but I didn't know that it actually got. Yeah, through. Denver just officially like it was a week ago. I believe that they uh, they officially did. And, you know, I I might be toil to let you, but the thing is, it's happening. It's happening. It's like, getting it's, close. It's and, coming, you know, and that'll it, be another thing where. Uh, it's funny, people talk about that in the cannabis industry now. Not everyone, but a lot of people are like, yeah, mushrooms are the next CBD. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, a lot of people, I don't know, I, I heard this, because again, you know, I, I know so many people are in the CBD industry, you know, hence, you know, these, the reason why that you're here right now. But, um, you know, talking about how there's companies now buying up chunks of forest in Thailand for when MDMA becomes legalized, because then they, they're already harvesting the trees and stockpiling the bark to be able to make the MDMA for when it becomes legal. Wow. That's like, and that's you're talking years event. down the road right not, now, right? Not, so meh, maybe sooner than we think. Again, well, I'm like, not talking about yeah, decades, but you know, if you're a couple years away from mushrooms, you're probably a couple years away from uh, you know MDMA. But like they're yeah. all coming. But you they're see all, all these they're people. They're doing a lot of research in the world right now on all Absolutely. these things. Like MDMA is like getting fast tracked to its phase three clinical trials with Maps, which is like an organization that's doing a lot of amazing work in the world. Um, John Hopkins is doing a ton of psilocybin and psychedelics research right now. Around you know, it's like. They, a lot of these substances have the capability to heal a lot of really and treat and you know like heal is they're not panaceas of course but like when used with um, psychotherapy and like trained clinicians and stuff like that as well like the, the success rates they're having for like anxiety and depression and PTSD and like addictions is a huge one and like so many things it's it's wild and um, I look at that too like they're testing in the in the extreme environments you know like like professional athletes, soldiers, people who are already highly addicted to a substance like alcohol, you know, something yeah. along those lines or people with, you know, severe mental health issues. Well, if it's helping them, you know, peel all those onion skins back just to like regular person that might just have like a little bit of anxiety, you know, about being nervous going to a new restaurant, you totally. know, like how that's going to help you them, know, right? And and not the, because a lot of that stuff when you're treating the more serious stuff is like macro doses with like psychologists and stuff like that and all that but um on on the more like everyday use side of it like if you're microdosing with mushrooms or lsd like you don't actually feel high at all like um, if if it if you feel high like rule of thumb if you feel high it's not a microdose anymore (laughs) you know so if you're truly using a microdose which is like you know 0.1 
0.1 grams of psilocybin mushrooms or like you know a tenth of a dose of you know a tenth of a hit of acid or something like that it's you're not actually feeling high at all but it just it changes the way you look at things you're you're just a little happier and a little more open-minded and a little more creative and it's easier to get into flow states and like it, you're less ang anxious and things like that and um you know those are gonna have and same with depression like it helps a lot of these things that not like not at debilitating levels as much but you know who doesn't have a little bit of anxiety these days with social media and like you know it's just we're so go 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 and like so many expectations on us all the time that you know everyone's got i believe everyone has at least a low level anxiety but anxiety is just really a sliding scale so absolutely same with depression and know? i always think that the the funny part about microdosing and you know i always try to challenge people to think about the same thing like what you said about microdosing is that people will think that microdosing is bad based on the product but people will heavily consume or over consume another product like sugar, sugar-based products which essentially getting them high or alcohol or anything, and it's totally fine, or even cigarettes with the nicotine, and it's it's fundamentally exactly the same principle. You're abusing something to be able to get high, but this, on the flip side, we're saying, okay, well, how about CBD or THC or, you know, MDMA or, you know, psilocybin or, you know, DMT or anything, anything along these lines, extremely small doses that is not going to get you high, but help you just live your everyday life better, but these other things, it's totally fine to be able to actually get high off them. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with our like sheep mentality, yeah. <laughs> you know, that most people just go with the flow and do what they're told and you know, nothing wrong with that. It's a good way to survive and a good way to like make it through life without rattling any cages or whatever. But you know, like, and that, this is a big part of like, especially if once you get in, you know, you go down a bit of the conspiracy theory rabbit hole a little, it's like, that's a big reason why these things are illegal in the first place. This is why the war on drugs was there. It's not because cannabis was dangerous. It was because it made people think differently and question what the government was doing. You know, like when the first, like the beginning of this was like, uh, or at least the current wave of illegal uh, cannabis was because a lot of the protesters of the Vietnam War were hippies that were smoking weed. And, you know, when you smoked weed, they were like, this war idea is fucking stupid. Like, why are we going and killing a bunch of people? Let's all just get along. Let's all, you know, peace and happiness and love. And they were like maybe a little too hippie to pull that off. But <laughs> but the only thing is, though, but that, that's the base of it, though, right? Like, exactly. you had a lot of these people, you know, who were smoking weed, and the weed that they're smoking back then is was, was nothing. Way, yeah, nothing <laughs> now, right? Like, people wouldn't even touch that stuff now. But it always had, it was peaceful protests for the most part. I'm sure there yeah. were some that weren't, but it was around like peace and love and yeah. happiness. And but the government doesn't want people to think outside the box. It doesn't want them to question. Like a, a, a subdued, passive culture is much easier to manage than a culture that everyone was thinking something different and trying to figure out their own way of doing things. And that's what they are trying to prevent. <laughs> that combined with like, you know, the pharmaceutical side of like, you know, a plant that can do a lot of the same stuff as all your drugs that people are addicted to um, that you can't patent or make money off of is not a very good thing for business. So. Well, and you know, and, and the, the big challenge is too is even look back through the course of history, whether it's hundreds or thousands of years, try to find a culture who does not have some kind of product that alters your conscious state. Like totally. every single culture on this planet has had one for some reason. And then all of a sudden we get to a point like everything else but 100 years ago, 70 years ago, where we just know so much better. We're going to yeah. stop all that kind of stuff because obviously for all these thousands of years they've been wrong, but we're all saying right now. <laughs> totally. And, you know, like you start looking at religion and how many of these substances are used in like in conjunction with organized religion over the years. Like cannabis is, you know, its roots trace back thousands of years in organized religion. Um, 
you know, and same with like a lot, you know, ayahuasca and like a lot of these other peyote have been like tied into cultures um, based on wherever they're from and what is like native to that land, right? It's, you know, having an experience, like a transcendent experience, you know, you actually get a feeling of what it's like to be with God and to understand that we're all part of the same fucking thing. Yeah. And, you know, like to... It, like you can make someone sit in church and like sing hymns all day long, but like they're probably just gonna be pissed. But if you're if you're tripping on mushrooms and yeah, <laughs> going through that, that's why that's why you gotta feed everybody a little bit of wine when they get there, though, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I could rant on that shit all day. It's a, it's a very interesting topic and and one that's gonna be like we're at a, an incredibly exciting time in history right now because like we're basically you know I've heard now described as like you know the second crack at what tried to happen in the 60s you know they tried to like just say like legalize all these things you know that was when cannabis and um, mushrooms and acid and all these things really started to come to the forefront and they just put a cage on it and now it's like we've actually got like that generation is now like grown up and is leading the charge in a lot of ways on you know doing the actual research and doing it scientifically and doing it right this time instead of just like you know the, the Timothy Leary's of the world who just want to like we just need to drug everybody and yeah. <laughs> or you right. know and just even the flip side that's the you know they're all parents now who are sharing these stories with their children about how these things weren't bad or you know like they, they they've talked to them yeah, and the you know the kids become as... yeah interested in it. and the only thing that legal or making all these products illegal has ever done is made them worse and more harmful for people totally yeah because you don't know what kind of quality you're getting you don't necessarily like trust the people and. You know, especially on the cannabis side, like if cannabis was legal the whole time, it would be regulated, it would be sold to, you know, like it's it's way easier for kids to get cannabis than it is to get cigarettes, for instance. And, you know, and then and then on the flip side, like if you're in the drug dealer model, like before legalization, all that stuff, you know, if you were just wanting to buy weed, but then your drug dealer's like, hey, you like that weed? You want to try some heroin or some yeah. <laughs> coke or something like that? Like, you know, like that's how it's a gateway drug is because the retailer is also retailing you know is is by default someone who's willing to break the law and if you're willing to break the law you might as well sell all the things instead of just weed you know? well it's the same principle that you know all these other major companies are doing it's the reason why there's gum and batteries at the till you know, it's just to be able to entice you to be able to buy other things that you don't necessarily really want while you stand there you just have totally. somebody saying like you know hey just you know maybe try this for free you know or you know anything along those yeah, lines right free. Where, wink, wink. yeah you know but you know in depending on the, like where people are going to go purchase their products, you know, now CBD, THC, anything along those lines is there'll be other products there too. So fundamentally it's always the same, you know, people are going to market other products when they're selling something because it increases their bottom line. So it's just a natural part for the course. Yeah. Um, and, uh, to kind of, complete the story on the, yeah. <laughs> the timeline of that's my... how all these things that was a rebel but oh, let's go back to the the drags that finished it off like you you went drags in you know yeah, the, you so went to the recap nothing really formulated you know, i got that. to be on tv we had like this i'd gotten to this point of having like all the skews but they're having the brand having it all ready to go and and that was you know we went on dragon's Den in may um we we're very quickly approaching the legalization kind of day where everything was going to change and you know there was it was a very interesting time because you know a lot of us in the cbd space were kind of hoping slash counting on cbd getting descheduled so you know like for those of you that aren't aware it's it's currently a schedule one you know like or it's uh, you know, that's in transition now because of being having it be legalized it's obviously not anymore but it was on the same level as like cocaine and heroin and all these like really bad drugs that 
Schedule 1 means that it has no medicinal value whatsoever. It's, it's just harmful. And like CBD in particular doesn't have any harmful effects at all and has tons of medicinal benefits that have been proven through like tons of research and all this stuff. So we all kind of thought it was just going to get pulled off of that and, and treated like, you know, like a normal like sugar or like anything that you could put in food because it doesn't actually alter people's consciousness. And a lot of places in the world like US and like a lot of Europe is it, as long as it's below a certain threshold of THC, it's just allowed to be sold. So we kind of thought that was going to happen but it didn't. So there was this like scramble of like, oh man, like what are we gonna do now? So, you know, the guys that I was working with had a, an agreement with one of the licensed producers to, to sell like to sell their products through them. And I kind of got involved with that as well and um, struck up a deal of my own with them, you know, where, cause there's a lot of companies now that have gone through this like super lengthy multi-million dollar process to get a license to sell cannabis um you know because the government made a lot of hoops for people to jump through or to, to become able to do that there's money um, at every one of those hoops though right so a lot like not not being not exaggerating it does cost millions of dollars to get or it did at that time to get a license to sell cannabis and years for a lot of people to make it through the whole process and all the different stages. But um, so in order, like for someone like me, I could, I don't have millions of dollars to do that. I could go and raise that and go through that process myself and build a team, or I could find a company that's already done it and partner with them. And that's what you're seeing in the industry a lot right now. There's a lot of companies that are going public and raising all this money and just scooping up a bunch of smaller companies and building a bigger company to make their stock go up. Um, and essentially I found one of those um, through the company. Like it was, you know, just kind of synchronistically came together that they were, you know, already working with the company and like the initial conversations we had were good. They loved the bars. They, you know, it seemed like a really good idea. And, uh, you know, it kind of, I explored going to the States, but I didn't really, I got a bad, bad vibes around that. That was when they were starting to like permanently ban people from going to the U.S. just for investing in cannabis companies. And I was like, yeah, not so much. Um, a little and, too gray area still. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, you know, we ended up striking up a deal to, to partner for them to fully acquire my whole company and for me to join their team and help with product development and, uh, which you actually know those guys that we were talking about before. And I, oh, you know, no, no names here on that. I am not here to talk, um, bad about anyone um, but that ended up falling apart uh, about we started that process we're working together and you know there was a there was a kind of clash of of company culture so to speak and um, turns out I don't do all that well as an employee <laughs> probably why I started in my own business in the first place because I wanted to make my own rules and do it on my terms kind which of you said that earlier in this podcast too so you know obviously it's just a part of who you are right exactly and uh, you know it just didn't work that well with all that like essentially there was like I forgot that part because there was like a, million, a couple mil on the table, <laughs> you know, and like someone who's had, like I grew up without a lot of money and, uh, you know, I've gone through this as of like, you know, working jobs and always never, never working or like making money was never my goal. It was always more lifestyle or more, you know, like to ski as much as I could or just to like, you know, be an enjoyable work and like or make a difference with my work or whatever. Um, so this was the first time I really had the opportunity to get a, a big chunk of money and it I got swayed by that. Um, and I kind of didn't think about the fact that I didn't actually want a job. Like that was why I started my company in the first place was to create more freedom in my life. And I just, you know, as soon as there was like a million dollar check in front of me, I 
but I forgot about that. <laughs> well, let, let's be fair here. I think we could take a poll online about how many people would forget about some certain things about their personality yeah. when there's a million dollars sitting on the line, right? Totally. So, um, and you know, understandable, guilty. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, so that fell apart, uh, and um, just recently we we started the path of working together, but then they kind of backed out of the deal because of the lack of company culture fit, and and as well there was some legal stuff that they were toting as the main reason for that. But regardless. Um, that fell apart, so now I'm back in control, um, back in charge. And but in that time, we'd like wound everything down. So now, like everything's kind of on hold. So I'm, um, you know, I'm talking with a few other groups right now. There's there's a lot. Of, as I said, there are a lot of licensed companies out there that are in this position where they have a license to sell weed, but they don't have any products and they don't have any like brands, especially that they. It takes a lot of effort to create and build a brand and logo and have messaging behind it and have like you know there's a whole story that goes along with it and, um, and some people just don't they don't want to do that it's not what they're interested totally, in it's more totally. and, and have, everybody has their their part of a business that they fit into some people just 100%. want to buy that polished product and then some kind people of take are just really good at selling right? things and they just want to acquire other things that they can sell and make more money and that's that's kind of what i was looking for because i'm the opposite of that I, I like creating things um and uh but i'm back in charge now which is nice to like be in control of my life again which i like um and like as i said it's it's i still have a very valuable thing so there's a lot of companies that are interested in where i'm just like i've learned a lot from that now so like this time i'm taking my time with like getting to know these companies and like really not rushing into anything but before it was like it all came together within a couple weeks prior to legalization so and there was like some stuff with publicly traded stuff happening at the same time so it was like it was very like crunch time game game time decision like do this or not do this and i'm like okay let's do it you know and i went for it this time it'll i'll take a lot more time to really like go slow with that and like make sure the lawyers and advisors are involved in all the steps and you know make sure it's a fit with people that i actually want to share time with and work with unless someone just wants to buy it and take it off my hands in which case sure like then i still have my freedom at that point but you know, I really you know, learned those are the things we all learn along me. the way too, right? Yeah. I just learned what's like really important to me and and what I need to like be happy and to, you know, the, the type of people I want to work with and all the rest. So it was it was a really cool experience. Like it, you know, I was I was definitely gutted when it first happened, but now like I'm I'm super I'm already grateful for it and I know that, you know, like that it was in service of me finding a much better partner to work with. So it's Well uh, and those what you, the the culture that you're talking about personally with inside yourself and what you want for your life is very BC too, right? You know, where totally. people in BC, I think, are also pioneering the way, you know, in Canada and, you know, we probably challenge a lot of places in the States too where, you know, we want our life to, you know, we totally. don't want it just to be why? about that million dollar check. And, like, you know, why are you working for all that money if you can't enjoy your life? Like, you know, you just work your ass off and stress out and get unhealthy and, like, burn out and then you're, like, 50 and you've got a bunch of money but you're, like having heart attacks like people are having heart attacks super young these days and like just putting tremendous amounts of stress on themselves whereas like you can build your life to like still make money obviously but like also play and enjoy your life and be healthy and be fit and you know like live longer and be able to do more and you know it's just everyone's in such a rush and a lot of that like we need all the money now as opposed to like you no know, let's just have a sustainable like long-term plan here <laughs> you know i really try to live my life about banking memories not dollars you know like obviously you need money to live but and to make you know, those memories <laughs> and to be able to make those memories but you know like i even think like you know it's just when i was snowshoeing on the weekend i was standing at the the top of seymour and i was like you know what it literally cost me nothing to do this 
Like it, it cost me a hundred dollars for some snowshoes a year ago and some gas. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like I could come do this every day if I wanted to, and it would be amazing. And on the flip of that, a lot of people pay thousands of dollars to come here to do what I'm doing, which I have access to do. But it might cost me ten dollars worth of gas there and back. Okay. You know, so I really try to live my life like that, so I understand exactly, you know, like what you mean, where it kind of brought you back. And you know, grounded you again with who you are as a person, and kind of redirect your life to be able to take this company to the next level in the level that you want it to be at. Totally, especially like, you know, as we move forward now, uh, you know, a big part of our focus, because so, edibles are, they are slated to be legalized now, but probably not till October. At, October at the latest, but maybe sooner, most likely October. Um, so, you know, but there's still, as we talked about before, there's a lot of people that don't know about cannabis, they don't know about CBD, they don't know the differences. So, you know. We're going to be focusing a lot of our efforts on educating people and just building up awareness about this and destigmatizing cannabis in general. And, you know, like, and just not just cannabis, but also like, what does it mean to feel grounded in general? Like, you know, like, what, and tying in all the other pieces of it, like meditation, like nutrition, and like working out and being active and, you know, just helping people feel better. Like, that, at which, you know, interestingly, has kind of always been my personal, like, uh, mission statement if you will is like inspiring people to live healthier happier lives because um, the more of us are doing that the better we're, we'll be doing as a species you know, so. well and that's kind of you know like the the sole basis behind this podcast is it, it's leading an army you know my concept behind like we are eyes to, to prove like there's there's lots of us you know like there's there's thousands there's millions there's tens of millions of people who think you know just like you and i that want to live healthy active lifestyle you don't want to feel guilty for it you don't want to think that you're doing something abnormal like there there's a huge army and in, in this is the voice behind that and you know i think a lot of us who want to live a healthy active lifestyle are also the people who are going to like step into cbd products and stuff like that first and you know i'm, I'm kind of glad that you know we we've gone full circle through your story because you know like <laughs> even with all the tangents <laughs> yeah, yeah you know but it's like the so i got your bars obviously by from our, our mutual acquaintances and yeah. friends and stuff and uh you know, I was a little apprehensive to be able to try them just because, like, I didn't really know. But I was just, you know, I like, caution to the wind. I don't care. You know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to post it all over Instagram and all kinds of stuff before it's legalized. I don't care. You know, penalize me for it after. It's not a big deal. And, um, you know, I, I was out paddleboarding in White Rock. And I was on my paddleboard. And I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. And then it just so happened. I'm like, I had them in my pocket. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sitting there on paddleboard and I just, I can't even remember which flavor it was. And, uh, it's been like half an hour, 45 minutes later, and I stand up, and I've told everybody this story. It's just, it's mind-blowing to me. And I'm like, man, I'm like, it is just such a beautiful day right now. You know, like, and it was, don't get me wrong, but I've gone to White Rock thousands of times. You know, I've been <laughs> in the ocean thousands of times. So I was just, I was awestruck standing on my paddleboard, and I'm just looking, I'm like, the sky is so blue, and I'm like, the water is so calm. I'm like, this is incredible. So I pack my paddleboard, I go at home, and I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, what was so different? I'm like, why was it so? I'm like, it's warm, you know, it's blue sky, you know, I was with a couple of good people. I'm like, I live my life like this. I know the difference, but, but I just didn't make that connection. And that was on like a on a Thursday, and then uh, and then on the weekend, I went up to Elowit Lake, and I hopped in the kayak, and I'm like, I'm gonna go all the way to the other end of Elowit Lake and back. And you're talking like hours and hours and hours of kayaking, right? So I get three quarters away across the lake. And I'm like, oh, I'm a little hungry. So I pulled over to the side and I started eating one of the bars. And then I'm looking over, um, like at where the Golden Ears Mountain, you know, the West Canyon Trail where it starts to go up to peak. And I was looking at it. And I'm like, that mountain has defeated me every single time that I've tried to climb that. But then I'm like, 
I just feel like this is my time. I'm like, I got this. I'm like, this is just amazing. I'm like, I'm going to do this. So, I'm like, so I got back in the kayak and I started kayaking back. And uh, the whole time I just, I felt like the mountain in me, it was just like, it was like, Blake, just do it. This is your time. So kayak back on shore, popped it back in the car, went home, slept, packed up my bag. And I only had the bar. I usually bring like other stuff. I only brought the one last bar is the beet and the peanut butter one because this is what I remember. <laughs> you know, and I'm getting up there and I'm at Alder Flats and I turn and I'm, you know, kind of going up all the, the dry creek beds for anybody who's, you know, know it knows exactly what I'm talking about. And then right before like the crazy set of stairs on the planet when you turn to start going up, I ate the bar there and I just look back and I just remember looking at the peak and I'm, and I'm like, I am going to stand on that peak today. And this is a mountain where I literally, it was about seven years ago, sat in a cave with a video camera and filmed my death video because I got hypothermia and I was going to die. And every time that I went to climb this mountain, for whatever reason, it has defeated me every single time. This was like the ninth or tenth time I've tried to ascend this mountain. No way. Yeah, so I ate this bar and like the whole time I'm like, the when I stepped with my feet, I'm just like, I'm like, I got this. It was like, it was pulling me up the mountain. And then it, it was just every single part of it is absolutely phenomenal. I got to the top and I'm looking around and it just, it was so calming. Like I wasn't very enthusiastic, which almost shocked me, but I'm like, I'm home. Like I, I was just, I'm like, I finally did it. It was so emotional for me. It was, no I, I couldn't even, I, I can't even explain it. And then the entire way down, I was like, this is this is nuts, you know, and in that whole time period, I really had only ate a couple of these bars that I didn't really eat anything when I got home, because I was so excited, I was so determined, like, I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to sit in line, wait for those gates open at seven, and I'm going to go conquer this mountain, and, um, and for me, because I don't take, like, Tylenol, I don't really ever drink or anything like that, so it's, I know when things hit me, and it was that one that I realized, it was the same thing I felt on the paddleboard, and I was just like, this is just an amazing experience for life. You know, I'm like, if I can eat these barks, to me, it is not as much about the CBD in it. I like that these bars, they're just healthy in general. But because I know I'm doing something so good for my body, because of the nutrients that are in these bars, and then this is the way that now my mind perceives life as I'm walking through it, and the experiences that one I have, it's the bridge that is gapped, these things that I love about my life. Health and fitness, the outdoors, you know, being in the backcountry, you know, and not just doing small things, you know, like, like killing it, you know, multi-hour, this and that, the next thing. And it's brought all those things together for me in every other CBD product I've ever tried. Never done it. Wow. And I, I don't know whether it's a combination of it's the like, ingredients that you've chose, that but it's like, like the best testimonial. <laughs> yeah. But I like in like, I know people are probably like, Oh, Blake, you're full of shit. Dave's just sitting and you want to like hype him up, hype his product. But like anybody who knows, I've told this story to every person willing to hear it because it blows me away. Like it is, it is phenomenal. And then, so then there was a period where then I obviously couldn't get these bars because they didn't have any left at the office. And you know, like it was just kind of whatever. And then, I don't know, you must have dropped some more off and I, they grabbed some more and I got a couple more. And then I was hitting the heavy bag. And I ate one of these bars when I, right before I hit the bag. So I'm just like, I want to see if I can have this experience indoors. And it was the same thing, you know, I'm just, you know, just drilling this bag, just hitting it, kicking it, just like, and it just felt like my, I was punching through water. It was just a totally different, I don't know how to explain it. And everybody that I explain to and knows anything about it always tells me that a lot of those things I shouldn't feel from a CBD product. 
I don't know if you buy into that or not, yeah, but it's well, just there's something that goes on in my mind when I eat your bars, no matter which one it is. It just it connects me with whatever activity I'm doing to a completely different level. Yeah, I, and you know my my take on that and from everything that I well, a thank you that's yeah. awesome to hear. No, I <laughs> want I everybody like, to I'm know. I'm tearing that. up a little bit. Yeah, but that. this is why I want you to come on the podcast <laughs> so bad because I'm like I need people to hear it from you, and I'm like. I want to share this with what I had because it's like, like literally every other CBD product I've ever like tried since things. So I'm like, if this is the way all these products are, everybody's got to take these things, especially people in the fitness industry. Totally I'm like, if you want to perform like at your peak in a fitness fashion, like, you know, you just want to take your athletics to a whole new, I'm like, this is it. Yeah. I'm like, this is fantastic, but nothing else has ever done it. Hmm. I don't know why. Uh, well, I- Thank you again. I'm blown away. Uh, yeah. What the piece that I could see that that helps with is, and I've heard this from other people as well, is that it can help you get into a flow state, um, which is that kind of mythical, magical zone in athletics, especially that you know you're not really thinking anymore. You're just kind of fully in the moment and taking action, and things just you're not you know your body just kind of takes over. Um, and and CBD, CBD in many forms can help with that. Um, you know, THC can as well. A lot of runners and like endurance athletes are talking about using cannabis and how it just helps them get into that state easier. Um, you know, but like on a, you could go into like the neurobiological yeah. stuff where it like CBD does plug into your serotonin receptors and just makes you feel happier. But like, you know, I've, I've heard that from other people. I've had that myself a bunch of times that it just kind of helps you get into flow. You're like, it, it helps your mind like not wander as much and just kind of be more like focused and grounded and you know and that that was why I used that's why I called it grounded as well is because it's like I'm still not going to be able to talk about helping with anxiety for a long time until like there's a hell of a lot more research and we have like NHP numbers and pr- proven studies for our bars blah 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 but I'm going to be able to say that it helps you feel grounded and just build up that conversation. And because it does, it helps you feel just like solid and in your body and stoked and grateful and like, you know, really present to what, what you're experiencing. And, you know, it just takes any experience up a notch, you know, like anytime you're kind of like your mind's wandering, you're thinking about other stuff, you got to do this and pick up this and that. And you're not like in it and present Then it's, it's not as much, it's not as, you don't have to hit that peak experience when you're in other places. So, you know, it can definitely help with that. And, um, it's, and I'm like blown away to hear you say that as well. Cause yeah. And cause I would say everybody knows me. I'm a huge skeptic, you know, <laughs> huge skeptic. And that's why when the people I've told about this, every single person is like, they want to try them. So they're just chomping at the bit because they know I'm, I'm not the type of person like, I don't endorse anything. Like, gives. I think everything's full of shit. Like, I like to be. But these, you know, like absolutely. Like, I I would hand them out to everybody. I'd encourage everybody to be able to buy them. And like I said, you know, like that's why I handed you to be able to come on here. I'm like, you know, trying to get a hold of you. I just it was it was it was an honor for me to have you on this podcast because I really feel like that, you know. And when people eat these bars, like it's that same. Like you know that it's healthy for you. Like there's just. It's not covered in junk. There's not a ton of like fillers or garbage or anything. And there's everything about these bars are fantastic. (laughs) So you've come up with an amazing product and anything that, you know, I can do or the people I know that can help, you know, pump the product and stuff like that. Absolutely. For sure. Thank you. Well, as soon as, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of bittersweet hearing you say that almost because it's like, A, it's, 
like that's amazing and thank you and it, it always makes me feel so good when I hear people that like the thing that I created someone loves and it like it helped create this epic experience for them you know like that's why I started in the first place was to give more people that kind of experience and then on the flip side it's like the bitter where the bittersweet comes in is like right now the company is shut down because I can't actually produce these legally yet I can't do this in Canada even though you can buy walk into a store and I just weed and go roll it up and smoke it and who knows where if it's been like irradiated or has like pesticides in it and all this yeah. crazy stuff and then my like super healthy like super clean organic everything bar that doesn't get you high I can't tell yeah <laughs> that's yeah, illegal yeah, this <laughs> is the irony of the world like, that we live in and it right? won't be forever yeah. like I know that that's just a temporary thing and you know eventually we'll be able to but uh, like I don't know like it's not gonna look like what it looks like right now the packaging is gonna be completely different like you know I might have to go to the US or to Europe to in order to do it like actually how I want to do it and you know and you know there's there's so many things that get in the way of doing that but um, you know well I'll, I'll cross those bridges that come and I'll be able to get to the point that this is a thing that people can just like have in their bag for whenever they go for hikes and things like that and I totally see it becoming that it's just it's also frustrating like to have to not be able to do it now because I know that it's so many people would love it you know <laughs> you know I could I could imagine how frustrating that that would be for you for sure especially you know hearing you know like what I just told you because like you know like, I, yes, I, I no, would want yeah like I, I would want it too you know I would I would Facebook live I would podcast I would stand in the street because the thing is for me I've I grew up in the backcountry. I've been doing stuff in the backcountry for 30 years since I can walk. My dad's been taking like hunting, fishing, hiking, quadding, horseback riding, like sports, every single thing. And the one thing that I found a few years ago is that I love doing things, but I kept getting into the same rut that everybody else that I know does where it becomes longer and further, you know, like when I got a few friends yeah, together, we ran more. the West Coast Trail, you know, then we started doing ultras, you know, it's like, okay, well, we did it. My goal was to do it in a sub-16, and we did 16.49, and I'm like, shit, now I got to go back because, you know, it's 49 minutes over, you know, my goal time. So, and then I was kind of kicked there. I'm like, do I really want to go back? And I'm like, well, maybe I'll do, like, the Pacific Crest Trail, you know, take six months. Maybe I do it in five, you know, but it, <laughs> o it always becomes distance. And, yeah, you, know, you like, always I'm, set a new bar for yourself, right? Yeah, but the thing is, now I know that it doesn't need to be that. And that's what I like, you know, where it's it's brought me back to it doesn't have to be so long and so crazy, but it's more because when I go in into the backcountry, the part that I love about the most is like I am thoroughly that person that just I want to be connected with nature. I want to take my shoes off. I want to sit in the grass. I want my skin to feel the outside. I want to feel the cool breeze in the meadow and I look around and I know there's nobody for miles, you know, and like I love that. So connecting with that experience more is more invaluable to me than, you know, because I don't really tell a lot of people about the things that, that I do that are quote unquote extreme because I, I don't find the value, you know, like I don't care about finishing first. I don't care about people knowing it's always just for me. So but they don't really fill that void. But these kind of things, 100% do. And that's why even for me, it's hard to know that these products, you know, they don't get you high. They don't, Andy, like they're they're nothing, but you can't legally buy them. Like yeah. it's just, it's frustrating. It's tell me. Yeah. Imagine how so, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but they will, you know, that they, they're not legal now. And 
they're not legal now here. Like I could, you know, we are in talks and looking at taking this down to the U.S. right now because the hemp bill just passed recently. So CBD products are like full, pretty much fully legal down there now. So we could be selling this down there. Also, Europe is in a very similar position. So, you know, we could be doing this there, but it's just like, you know, there's, I've never done that before. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck that works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so it's just, it, now it's all about just partnerships and kind of allowing you know, for a long time, I've been very like lone wolf kind of entrepreneur, just hacking things and figuring them out as I go and like doing it all on my own. And now is like, it really is the, the season to just like surrender a little bit and allow support to come in and like find the people that I can actually work with that can support that vision coming to reality. Because, you know, like I went down, as I was saying, I explored the US before this whole thing came together up here. And, uh, you know, I stayed with a friend down there and, you know, they're similar, very similar culture. I was in Boulder and, um, it's like, she's like, Oh my God, these are amazing. Like, can you come and do this? Like people would just eat these up down here. Like everyone loves like organic stuff and healthy and hub parts and all this stuff. And, you know, and I was like, yeah, maybe, but I just got like a really, really bad vibe about the, just the state of the legal situation. But now it's a lot, that was, you know, uh, five months ago. So it's, it's and there's just something now. about Colorado in general, that state is They're just, just so far ahead the... of the curve. Yeah. You know, it's like amazing. It's, it's, it's a very open-minded culture. They've already, they blaze the trail into cannabis. So they know that they can do it. So, you know, they, like on the mushroom side, yeah. I, you know, I'm very, personally excited about that world and looking at um things in that right now as well like what i'm uh, really excited is these things becoming online but what i'm the most excited about is people being able to like openly talk about them you know where there's not the apprehension totally that the stigma goes away right it's like people aren't afraid to just for the sake of being afraid of things. You yeah, know, like I don't want you to be like ostracized in your social network or, you know, it creates conflicts in homes where you have to worry about your kids totally. getting taken you know, away. It just, just, like, it just it's, becomes culturally accepted. And we'll yeah. get there. Like, personally, I see CBD being as common as vitamin C down the road, you know, like you'll have your pills in the cupboard that, you know, it'll be the CBD multivitamin that everyone just takes in the morning because it just, you know, it helps with inflammation. It helps you feel happier and better. And like, you don't need a whole bunch of drugs for that. You might be taking other things and, you know, it's it's going to get there. It's just going to take some time. So, and And like you said, I guess the the foundation behind that is that it's going there and we can see it. Right. So, um, is there any way that our listeners can, you know, just kind of keep their ear to your street? You know, if anything happens, if you decide to, you know, bring the bars online in in the States or if you go over to Europe and just kind of follow you like website, um, yeah, best, best way for that is, um, through Instagram is probably the best way to keep track of me and, and grounded, um, grounded CBD, uh, at grounded CBD is our Instagram handle. Um, and as well, that's been very inactive lately, just with all this transition that we're going through, but my personal Instagram, uh, at Dave underscore wheel W E A L E is where most of my stuff is going right now. So you'll be able to stay tuned on what's going on with, with me and the company through that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, well, good. And you know, I want everybody to be able to keep, you know, the ear of the street, you know, with Dave, because, you know, when these bars become online again, no matter where they are, how we're going to be able to get them. And, you know, I, I really want everybody to be able to try them and just understand how amazing these bars are. So thank you. Good. Well, thanks well, for coming on, Dave. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. Uh, and, yeah, uh, awesome. Thanks, Dave.